At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Coming to you from the Circa Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is the look ahead here on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. You can always follow along on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S C O T T S O N. A-I-R. I tweeted out not too long ago that maybe it's time to get your Clippers futures in. Now, why do I say that? Well, Paul George plays in his first game of 2022, scores 34 points, 20 of them in the third quarter, six assists, five steals, six of nine from three-point range in just 31 minutes of game time to help the Clippers rally from 25 points down to defeat the Jazz 121 to 115. What a comeback it was. What a fourth quarter it was for the Clippers, who outscored the Jazz by 18 points in the fourth quarter. At one point, went on... I believe it was a 26-6 run, 23-6 run, something like that. Either way, they erased a 25-point deficit to win this game. And, you know, I didn't know that Paul George was going to make his debut last night when I talked about this game. Even still, knowing that he was on a minutes limit and, and all that stuff, I still felt good about the Jazz going into this game, and with a 25-point lead, I thought I thought the pick was good. Jazz are going to win this game. But no, they could not do anything right in the fourth quarter, and the Clippers just went on this incredible run. And the Clippers, who are pretty, they're firmly in that eighth spot in the Western Conference playoffs. They will get in to the postseason. They're not going to lose two games in a row. First off, they might beat Minnesota for the seven seed. But if they lose that game, they're going to beat the winner of the 9-10 and be the eighth seed. So either way, the Clippers are getting into the playoffs, in my opinion. And once they're in the playoffs, boy, are they a dangerous team. Now, going up against the Phoenix Suns, I don't know... If that's the matchup that is be- that's best suited for them to pull off an upset if they're the eighth seed. But if they're the seventh seed, the Memphis Grizzlies better watch out. And we'll talk about the Grizzlies a little bit later on in the program. We'll welcome, on, welcome in Jessica Benson, does the uh, pre-halftime and post-game. Because <laughs> this matchup potentially with a seventh-seeded Clippers team with Paul George now healthy, is very, very dangerous. Speaking of the Western Conference playoff picture, the Lakers lose, and as predicted, 
They are now on the outside looking in. The Lakers are currently your 11th seed, while the Spurs are your 10 seed. San Antonio has won four straight games. The Lakers, meanwhile, have dropped three straight. We know that. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. And as we've talked about ad nauseum here, the schedule is just daunting for them. The Lakers down the stretch, I don't know, honestly, if they're going to win a game. The Jazz, this next game, this is the wrong time to face the Jazz. Because Utah just blew this 25-point lead to the Clippers. They ain't going to let that happen again. And they're going to take out some frustrations on Thursday against the Lakers. So that's a bad spot for the Lakers to go into. And then you throw in the fact that San Antonio has got two games against Portland coming up. Ooh, those are two wins. Lakers ain't getting three wins. Lakers aren't catching the San Antonio Spurs. They will not make the playoffs. And then going into the offseason, they're going to be in the lottery, but they don't even have a pick. The pick is, if the pick is in the top 10, it goes to Memphis. And then if it's in the top uh, 11th to 30, it goes to New Orleans. Or maybe I have that reversed. Either way, they don't have their draft picks. It's unbelievable. The future is not looking good for the Los Angeles Lakers. Let's continue the hoops conversation, get into a little college basketball now. Our college hoops expert, Greg Hoops Peterson, joins me here on the program. Greg, NIT semifinals going down here on Tuesday. It was a nice performance from Texas A&M, but St. Bonaventure, a no-show against Xavier. What did you notice about that performance from the Bonnies? The big thing was St. Bonaventure is a team that they play a little bit more slowly in the bottom 100 with regards to possessions per game. And being down 15 points at the half, if you're a slow, methodical team, you've got to speed yourselves up. And that's exactly what happened. Dominic Welsh was able to knock in some threes, but what really doomed them was that first half. They allowed Xavier to get 10 offensive rebounds and I think this really speaks to how bad of a job Travis Steele wound up doing with this team because they were looking like a three seed for the NCAA tournament in late January. They missed the tournament altogether. Now here they are with an interim coaching staff, and they're now going to be in the NIT title game. So give credit to the interim coaching regime. I think we could chalk this up as Travis Steele not necessarily being the world's greatest coach in college basketball as well. And I think it's going to be an interesting final with a pair of teams that They've got a lot to prove because both of these teams were two of your first four out when it comes to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and no surprise, really. I mean, when you think about the teams in the NIT, uh, do you usually look to back the teams that were right on the cusp of getting into the NCAA tournament? Uh, And here you have, you mentioned, Xavier and Texas A&M were amongst the teams that were in that first group not to make it in. It all depends on opt-outs. And this year, fortunately, with the NIT, really nobody opted out of it. Like, we've seen in past years when I just take a look at USC, for example. They had a couple guys 
that wound up jumping to the NBA. I think it was like during the 2019-20 season or 2018-19 season. And then they wound up having a couple of potential NBA draft picks opt out. That's when you wind up fading some of these teams. But by and large, teams like Texas A&M that they got on a hop run. Many people thought that they should have been in the NCAA tournament. They were not. Typically, they wind up playing their best. So I do think that these are good teams back. I wasn't warm on Xavier just because of the way that they ended the season in general. But give a lot of credit to this interim coaching staff. And that's part of the reason why I was fading Xavier as well as I thought that Hey, when you wind up having your coach wind up getting canned, how much motivation is there going to be? And the players are proving that the right move probably was made. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to preview the championship game coming up tomorrow. But while I have you, I got to ask you how much uh, uh, anticipation for the baseball season uh, are you at right now? Uh, anybody that you're kind of looking at doing some homework on futures that you're thinking about? Where are you in terms of? of your baseball preparation? I'm right now, what I've really been doing the last few days is taking a look at guys who wound up having good first halves and slow second halves and vice versa. Maybe they got off to the year slowly in the first half and then they wound up closing with a flurry late, seeing what was real, what was not so real. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle and I'm taking a look at a few season wins as well. I don't do a ton of Major League Baseball futures. I think that some of these could be a little bit of a crapshoot. But when it comes to MLB futures, typically I like a lot of unders. But one over that I'm starting to like is the Detroit Tigers because you've got a bunch of young pitchers. They wind up sending a guy in Eduardo Rodriguez that if you take a look at fielding independent compared to ERA, he had one of the biggest differentials in all of baseball, getting away from Fenway Park into a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly park. Should be able to help him out a little bit. You sign Avi Baez, who among qualifying players in the National League in the month of September, had the second best batting average last season. So you give him a little bit of credit. I think that this is a Detroit Tigers team that in an AL Central in which many people think it's going to be the White Sox and nobody else, they can be that number two team. So seeing their win total in a lot of places right around 80, 81, 80 and a half, something like that, I think that they could get a winning record to be able to cash in over. Yeah, I kind of like that as well. Um, some win totals that I looked at. Uh, I'm all over the Phillies. Uh, Phillies 85 and a half. I think they exceed that. I'm also going to put a little bit on the Phillies to win the NL East. I think they're undervalued, especially because everyone is gushing about the New York Mets and their pitching staff, rightfully so. But the additions that the Phillies made to that lineup is certainly going to uh, make them a formidable opponent. And I love the Blue Jays this year. Uh, I saw a number at MGM, 91 and a half, which is a joke because this team won 91 games last year, Greg, and they're actually better than they were last year. And I know that they lost Robbie Ray. Pitching staff is actually probably better with Barrios for a full season and Kevin Gosman as your number two. And don't forget, George Springer was banged up much of last yep. season as well. A already monstrous lineup just gets even more monstrous with that. So I can't disagree there. And if you take a look at the Rays and the offense that they had last season, they should si see signs of a little bit of regression as well because they outperformed their just base metrics as well. So I do take a look at that as well. So I'm with you. Yeah, and I'm looking at some long shots for awards. Cy Young's Rookie of the Year's MVPs. Uh, and, and really for for... MVPs and Cy Youngs, I'm looking at guys coming off of injury that might be a little undervalued. Uh, so we can get into that, of course, as we progress uh, throughout the week leading into opening day, which is going to be here sooner than we know it. Greg, appreciate the time. We'll talk to you about the NIT championship game coming up tomorrow. And then, of course, the final four.
Don't forget the basketball classic as well on Thursday. <laughs> Always appreciate it. Thank you. He is Greg Hoops Peterson. Download Coast to Coast Hoops on vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from as Greg takes care of every single game and total on the college basketball board. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Maybe we'll get into some of that baseball conversation tonight. I can't wait for opening day on the 7th. I, I honestly, I wish it was tomorrow. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Are you ready for a fresh start? And we mean a real fresh start with lasting change. Take the Zin 10 Challenge and switch up the way you've been enjoying nicotine. Available in a variety of tastes and strengths, Zin Nicotine Pouches deliver smoke-free and spit-free nicotine satisfaction. Try Zin Nicotine Pouches for 10 days or your money back. Your fresh start is here. Take the Zin 10 Challenge today at zin.com 10. That's zyn.com 10. Zin nicotine pouches are only for adults 21 and over who currently use tobacco or nicotine. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. And let's take a look at what else happened in the NBA on Tuesday. The Bucs defeated the Sixers 118-116 thanks to a Giannis block of Embiid on a putback attempt, it excuse me, in the closing seconds. It was called goaltending on the floor. It was reviewed, and it was obviously a clean block. So Giannis gets the block. He scores 40 points with 14 boards. Bucks get the win in Philadelphia, 118-116. Lost in the block was... The absolute pathetic display of a final possession shown by James Harden. And yes, Harden scored 32 points, and Harden is always going to get his. I am not denying the talent that he has. But there is a reason why this man has never won a title. There's a reason why I have continually faded his teams in the postseason because James Harden is not a championship player. There's nine seconds left in the game. You are down two points. You do not need the game-winning three, and you do not need to rush the play. What Harden did was try a step-back three, not even a clean look, defender in his face, hand in his face, step back off balance three-pointer with nine seconds remaining that I don't even think it hit the rim, just bounced off the side of the backboard. Now Joel Embiid's under the rim, he gets the rebound, tries for the putback, and Giannis blocks him. That's not offense. That's luck. 
And if Embiid makes that shot and Giannis doesn't block him, fuck. You know, you have the basketball in the most important possession of the game. There was no movement. There was no design. It was one-on-one hero ball. And hero ball, not going to cut it. I will fade the Sixers gladly. And this is not a second guess. This is not a new thought. I said it the moment he got traded there. Just like I said it when he got traded to the Nets. And there's receipts on Twitter. Follow me at Scott's On Air. Sixers aren't winning the championship this year. I will gladly go against them. Gladly. So, the Bucs get the win. An important win for them. Now, taking a look at the Eastern Conference standings, Miami is atop. The Bucs are just a half game back of Miami. The Celtics are the three seed. And then the Sixers are a half game back of the Celtics as the four seed right now. The Bulls got a win, snapped their losing streak. So they are now your, they are still the five seed. Toronto is your six seed, just a half game back of Chicago. And the Cleveland Cavaliers, they are your seventh seed, one game back of Toronto. The Nets picked up a win against the Pistons, barely. The Nets are the eighth seed, one game up on Charlotte. Charlotte is a half game up on Atlanta. Speaking of the Nets and the Pistons, man, this was one that we kind of debated back and forth last night, right? But facts are facts. And the Pistons right now are on a run where they have covered 15 of their last 17 games as an underdog. And the other two games that they did not cover, they pushed. They are on a 15-0-2 run against the spread as an underdog. It's exactly what we've talked about during this entire run. The games that we didn't like them were the games that they were favored. Favored against Portland. They lose outright. Favored against the Wizards. They lose outright. Those are the games we didn't want to touch them. But then assessing them as underdogs, the one thing that gave me, you know, some caution going into this game was knowing how important it was for the Nets and also know Jeremy Grant. He's done for the year. But Cade Cunningham was fantastic. He had 34 points. Durant scored 41 with 11 boards. And Kyrie... In his second game at the Barclays Center, better than the first, 24 points. Four of eight from three-point range. Nets get a much-needed win. Pistons get another cover. Lakers did not cover against the Mavericks. Mavericks a 128-110 victory. As uh, we mentioned before, Lakers continue to stumble, and that's it. They're out of the playoff picture. And they're not getting in. Their schedule down the stretch, much more difficult than the Spurs' schedule. They both have identical records, but San Antonio has the tiebreaker. And San Antonio down the stretch here. They have Memphis, probably going to lose. Two games against Portland, that's two wins for them. And then that might be it. 
at Denver, at Minnesota, Golden State, Dallas. Let's just say they only get two wins for the rest of the season. Those two games against Portland. That means that the Lakers have to win three games for the rest of the season in order to make the playoffs. Because if they only win two, they're going to lose out on the tiebreaker. So tell me where the Lakers are getting three wins. At Utah, you know Utah's going to be angry after dropping this game to the Clippers with a 25-point lead. Home against New Orleans, that might be a win. Although, last time you played New Orleans, you blew a 23-point lead and lost. Home against Denver, maybe. The Joker's playing like he's going to win back-to-back MVPs. At Phoenix. Now, at that point, has Phoenix finally decided to rest some players? So, they're not playing anybody there? At Golden State, maybe you get the win. The Warriors aren't playing anybody. Home against OKC, maybe. You should. You'll be favored. At Denver, well, Denver might need the games. So, you got two games against Denver. One against Phoenix. One against Golden State. Looking at the Western Conference standings right now, Denver is the sixth seed. They are tied with Utah, who's the five seed. They're two games back of Dallas, who is the four seed. And Minnesota is two games back of Denver for the six and the seven. Denver might need that win at the end of the season, last game of the, of the season. I just don't think the Lakers are going to win three games to surpass the San Antonio Spurs. And I think the Spurs are going to win those two games against Portland. It would be shocking if they didn't. So Spurs are going to get into the playoffs, and the Lakers are not. And not even the playoffs, talking about the playing round. And the Lakers are not. And I wonder, how much does LeBron play here down the stretch? They start losing, and he, they, he sees the writing on the wall that they're not going to be in the play-in tournament. Well, he might just call it quits. And then the questions for next season. Uh, it's, it's opposite of what I said in the first segment. The New Orleans gets the pick if it's 1 through 10. Memphis gets the pick if it's 11 through 30. So the Lakers don't have a first-round pick. They don't even have a second-round pick next year because the second-round pick goes to either Toronto, San Antonio, or Sacramento. And good luck trading Russell Westbrook because who's taking on $47 million? It's going to get worse before it gets better for the Lakers. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, we'll be joined by our very own Dave Ross. Got to talk about uh, what's going down in college basketball, get his thoughts on a couple of things as well. Uh, I know there's a big UFC event coming up soon, so uh, get some thoughts from Dave on what's coming up there in the fight schedule. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Make predictions to win cold, hard cash. Then chill. 
Play free during college basketball's biggest tournament with the March Hoops Challenge presented by Coors Light. Join 10 free-to-play pools for your shot at a share of $4,000 in daily cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Coors Light March Hoops now to join the action. Coors Light, perfect shot of refreshment. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, joined now by our very own Dave Ross. You catch him on Betting Across America, really every show on the network. First Strike, our MMA show as well. And I know there's a big UFC event coming up next week, so we'll get into that uh, coming up as well. But first off, Dave, the Final Four is here on Saturday. How hyped are you for one last Coach K matchup with North Carolina, ironically, for the first time ever in the NCAA tournament. I, I got to be honest with you, Scott. It's as good as it gets, certainly, for the execs in, in the offices, for the NCAA, for your television execs. You can't ask for better blue bloods than what you're going to have this weekend. And when you do have Carolina and Duke not just matching up, this isn't the ACC, this isn't Kay's regular season finale in Durham. But to have this matchup for the first time ever, as you mentioned, and to have it, have it come now in what could be Kay's game in the Final Four is unbelievable. And look, I'm not a Carolina guy. I'm not a Duke guy. But I am a college basketball guy. So I'm sorry if some of the country goes, oh, who really cares? Well, most of them will. I actually think this might be one of the highest rated Final Four games in the history of college basketball, if not the highest. That's the anticipation level for true college basketball fans that just go, look, I don't, I don't like Carolina. I don't like Duke, but I want to see who's going to win. I want to see if K is really going to go out like that. Could you imagine if you're a Carolina backer and you do beat him in the last game ever and kind of embarrassed him on his, on his retirement night at, at Durham where he's all pissed off at his kids and tells him to shut up and this is unfinished business and you know, basically took away the moment really in that last game in Durham. And if you did it again, I mean, that would be the ultimate insult to injury for Carolina people on Duke and for the Dukies. What better way to get revenge? What better storyline could you have? What more of a Hollywood ending could you have than coach K beating North Carolina and getting to the finals against Kansas or Villanova and ultimately winning? I feel bad for Kansas and Villanova as the one and two matchup here. And really, it's overshadowed by K and, and, and UNC. I mean, again, I just don't know how you drop it, uh, draw it up any better than this. I saw it today, what, 4 and 151, and Wes Reynolds and myself go through this exercise of where do you think that number's going to go? I think if you're a Duke guy, I don't know that the number is really going to move that much. Maybe it goes up to 4.5, but I think it stays right around 4. But I do think the total is going to go up, Scott. We've seen a lot of trends to the under. And I know it feels like 151 is very high, and it, and it is certainly at first blush on paper. But I think that number is going to go up. I think it might get up as high as 153, 153 and a half by Saturday. So if you're an overbacker, I might play that total sooner. And if you like the under, I'd wait because I do think it's going to get bet up in the next couple of days. So the two times that these two teams played each other, both times the number closed at 152 and a half, and both games mm-hmm. went over that total mm-hmm. this season. So this one listed here at 151 to me is an auto fire on the over. Yeah, I think you have to play it that way. That's the only way I'm going to play it now at 151. If I 
wake up tomorrow and I'm going in to get ready to do the Lombardi line and I see it shot up, I kind of want to see when it's going to start to move, but I'm not going to wait too much longer because I don't think, again, if you like the over, that your number is going to get any better than this. I think you have to play it that way. And look, I get it. You're going to be, it's, you know, the final four, it's spacious arenas. And yeah, that might be true in the Kansas Villanova game, but I just think the way that they're going to play, it's not going to be a half court game. They're, they want to get out in transition, both these teams. And I think that certainly Carolina knows, yeah, we can play that win. We, we put up over 90 upon you at Durham. So if you want to run, you've got a willing running partner. This won't be one situation where Hubert Davis is trying to slow it down or Kay is going to switch up the zone. It's going to be man-to-man. It's going to be run and gun. It's going to be our athletes against your athletes. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and I think the over is the right play. I do think the side is trickier, but if you made me today, Scott, at four, I'd probably have to lay it with the Dukies. And, you know, I've been on the right side of Duke a lot this tournament, and I don't know why I'd shy away from them now. They really look like clearly – this is the team they thought they were getting at the beginning of the year that maybe didn't manifest itself towards the end of the regular season and the loss of Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament. But right now, they are playing with confidence and more pros on the on the court than anybody else in the tournament. Absolutely. Uh, now we take a look at the first game, the one that is being overshadowed, and that is Villanova mm-hmm. and Kansas. The Justin Moore injury is huge. Everyone's oh. been talking about it. But part of me, Dave, thinks that the injuries baked into the line here a bit, and I actually think it may it might be too high if that makes sense. Yes, and Villanova is the team pre-tournament that I picked to win this tournament. Now, Me too. yes, the more injury and right, and you and I talked about it before the tournament. Why we liked Villanova so much because of Jay Wright's system, because he has those two national championships, and oh by the way, the best free throw shooting team we've ever seen in the history of the NCAA tournament. I think that system that Jay Wright has is the key here to this game. And that's why I'm with you. The four and a half, and it's great value. I'll tell you this, though. I do think if you like Nova, you might wait. I think the number might go mm. up a little bit higher. Yeah, I think, I, it might I, I, I think you're right. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you, you kind of want to jump. If you like Nova now, you think, well, I'm going to jump at it. You can. You can fire at four and a half. But I think you're going to see some fives. I've seen a couple fives out there if you really shop around. If you get a five and a half, that to me is an auto fire at that point for Villanova. I just can't see Jay Wright again, knowing that he is shorthanded and knowing that he's going to, he limits possessions anyway, because of their offensive efficiency and the way that they are efficient in that half court, they're going to, they're going to do that to the umph degree against Kansas. We saw what Kansas is going to want to do in that second half against Miami. They want to get out and force your turnovers into easy buckets. And that's why they put up a historic number against Miami in flipping that game around against Jim Laranega. Once Jim Laranega's squad turned it over, it was green light go, and Kansas turned those into easy points. Villanova will not turn the basketball over in the front court with their guards and give Kansas those easy runouts. That's not going to happen. So as long as that doesn't happen, and I just don't see Villanova, that's not the game script for them. They don't turn it over. If you don't turn them, and I know Miami really didn't turn it over uh, in, in you know record numbers, kind of like they did in that second half. So that was abnormal for them. So as long as Villanova plays a normal game and Kansas doesn't make this into something we haven't seen from Villanova uh, in their backcourt, I really think this is a possession-to-possession game. I think this is tight down the stretch. Give me that five, five-and-a-half if I can find it by Saturday. 
I'll take those two extra buckets from Jay Wright and feel pretty good that even if they don't win, which I think they will win, if they come up short, it's literally going to be a one-possession type game. Yep, I'm with you there. Uh, give me your tournament most outstanding player picks for each team should they go on and win the national championship. All right, I'm going to get a little bit chalky uh, on the Duke side, and I think it's going to be Paolo Banchero if, if Duke does go ahead and, and get the win. Just in space, I think right now he can do anything that he wants to do. Face up, take it to the rack. He's really unguardable when he wants to be unguardable, although Mark Williams is, is a strong guy for me right now. Uh, in his consideration, I'm going to take Powell right there. I think if, if Love is is shooting it the way he can for Carolina, he could be the difference maker there, even though Brady Maddock might be their best overall player. Love, to me, is the X factor for Carolina. When he's on, he's their difference maker, so I'll pick him. Villanova, it's got to be Connor Gillespie. Uh, it's got to be Colin Gillespie. Gillespie's just – he's that guy that wants the big shot when he needs the big shot. If you foul him late, it's going down. He's going to have the ball in his hand the majority of the time for Villanova if they're going to win. So I'm going to go with Colin Gillespie if Villanova cuts down the net. And I really think the difference in the Kansas team that you've seen in the tournament that you might not have seen in the Big 12 is Remy Martin. And, yep. and the transfer from, from Arizona State, I think he's been their, their absolute deal, deal breaker down the stretch where all of a sudden if it's an it's a even game. Remy Martin's been the guy to make plays for them in the tournament. And I think he can be the, the game closer for Kansas if they go ahead and win two more games. So those will be the four that I'll go with. And, and I got to be honest with you, I didn't see this, even though I had Kansas in the final four, two to one uh, pre-draw, the, I wasn't even taking into account what Remy Martin could bring kind of in this second season. So getting him back to being healthy has been an X factor for Bill Self and company. 100% agree. And Bill Self even talked about his speed and his shooting being such a key for them here in the tournament when Obaji has struggled. Uh, Dave, do me a favor. Mm-hmm. Hang on through the break. Uh, let's get into a little baseball conversation on the other yeah. side. You know, opening day is about a week away, and I know we're Can't both doing it. our homework. We're getting uh, ready to play some future bets this weekend. So mm-hmm. let's talk about uh, the action coming up on the diamond coming up next. He's Dave Ross. You follow him you on Twitter. Deal. At D Ross Sports. Catch him all across the network here on VSIN. And you can follow me on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S C O T T S O N. A-I-R. We'll get into that baseball conversation coming up next right here on The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, BetRivers has you covered. BetRivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Rejoined now by our very own Dave Ross. Hit him up on Twitter at DRossSports. And let's get into some baseball here, Dave, as uh, I'm definitely going to place some future bets over the weekend. We get ready for uh, opening day next week. And you know what's crazy is that if you look at different books, you can find different numbers, whether it's in the oh, awards yeah. market or even in the win totals market. 
That is why it is, we always say this on the network, and it really is due diligence on your part being the gambler. And that is to search for the best number possible. And you go, well, what's the big difference if I find, you know, one win off? It makes a huge difference when you get down in there into September and you're trying to get and fight your way to that over or hoping a team is tanking uh, as they go all to, to the young kids and maybe your under comes through. For example, the New York Metropolitans this year, most win totals you're going to see out there are 91 and a half, which feels a little bit high. And, but I thought it was priced accordingly. And then as I'm shopping around today, just looking at that number and thinking as, yes, I'm an unabashed Metropolitan fan. You and I have talked about it on the show before. And obviously, you, you got to love the one, two, three that they have with, with Max, Mad Max and DeGrom, and certainly now uh, bringing over uh, Chris, Chris Bassett, Bassett from yep. Oakland. Yeah, to be the third guy in New York with the, the revamped lineup that the Metropolitans had. I found a 90 and a half tonight. And now I go, whoa, 90 and a half, you only go, it's one game. That's a huge difference to me that you are going to do your homework, look around at different books, and find that best number. And when you do, I think that's when you have to say, I got to fire on this. And that is one I'm going to play right now. The Mets over 90 and a half wins. And I absolutely know that the division is going to be brutal. I know the Phillies are going to be really good. And obviously the Braves are the defending reigning uh, world series champions and, and they're not taking any steps backwards, but I look at the rest of it. I think the nationals right now kind of waved the white flag uh, with the, uh, you know, with the exception of Juan Soto there, nobody in the lineup is really going to scare you. And their pitching is certainly not there. Uh, as it has been in years past. And I think the Marlins might be competitive, but still a little bit away. I want to play the Mets over 90 and a half wins and feel pretty good about it. Look, I can't count on DeGrom and, and Mad Max to make all of their starts and stay injury free. But when you get the signing of a guy like in a trade for Chris Bassett, it shows you that they're, they're in this for more than just the one, two punch at the top of the rotation. As long as the back half of the bullpen, uh, you know, Edwin Diaz is, is Edwin Diaz this year. The good Ed, Edwin Diaz, I really like this team to be a mid-90s win total and hopefully, as a fan, win that East, but at the very least, cash that number. I'm going to play over 90 and a half for the Metropolitan. Well, speaking of shopping around, uh, the Blue Jays' win total is at 92 and a half pretty much everywhere that you look. Uh, MGM's got it at 91 and a half. And this wow. Blue Jays team, they won 91 games last year, Dave, and they're better this year. Um, and, and look, I don't know if they're going to win the division. It's going to be tough. The, the Yankees have a stacked lineup as well. But yeah. I, I think when you combine the Blue Jays, who might have the second best lineup in baseball behind the Dodgers, they also might have, and in my opinion, the third or the fourth best rotation in all of baseball. This team is going to win 95 or plus games. 91 and a half is a gift. I tend to agree. And again, shopping for that extra extra win or in your favor is huge in a division that will be very competitive. Because look, whenever you have the Yanks and the Red Sox, obviously those teams normally when you get to the trade deadline, they're normally all in to try to make a push if they're close. We understand that. The Rays of the team, you go, are, are they finally going to take a step back? Or is this, are they going to be a 90-win team again? So the division is tough, but I'm with you on the handicap. The Rays are just better than they were a year ago. And you're seeing out there market-wide, you're seeing plus 140s, plus 150s. You will see some plus 160s to win the AL West. And, uh, you know, doing the show today with Wes Reynolds, and Wes was looking at it, he, his handicap has has him around a, a $1.20 to, 
So when he sees it is as high as plus 160 in certain spots, that's good value. We're trying to find and extract those values either in the win totals or the division prices. I think it's good value on the win total if you can get it at 91, 91 and a half. And I certainly like the price point at about a plus a dollar sixty, dollar fifty if you can get that to win the East. And I'll give you another one in the National League, Scott. I look at the Brew Crew and I see 89 and a half wins, and I go, "Have you looked at the rest of the division? It's just not that good." I mean, we we know about the plight of the Pirates right now. I mean, that that's just a, a Triple A team masquerading as a Major League team uh, right now. The Cubs, my goodness, what are they doing? Really, no idea there. Yeah, the Cardinals are going to be the Cardinals, and they'll be competitive. But the Reds traded pretty much their entire roster of good players to Seattle. So I'm looking at this thing and going, you know, addition by subtraction, I love Milwaukee. Now, they're weighing almost $2 to win the division. That is a hefty price tag, but I don't see a whole lot of competition for them as long as their starters stay healthy. That's a great rotation they have in Milwaukee. I'm playing the over 89 and a half wins, and i got to be honest with you, I might lay the 2-1 to one to win that division because I just don't see, barring major injuries, anybody outside of St. Louis pushing them for quite some time. One final comment on the Blue Jays. Um, there's no more bouncing back and forth with their home stadium anymore. All right, we're not you know, we're not there, going there, down. There's no there's no there's no Dunedin. There's no Buffalo. It's right. just a full season of of the Rogers Center, which is no doubt only is gonna it's only gonna help them. Um, a couple of awards markets I was looking at. And I know okay. I mentioned this to you off the air. <laughs> mm-hmm. Noah Syndergaard to win the American League Cy Young Award is you wow. can get it. I saw it. William Hill, a hundred to one. Uh, wow. <laughs> this dude, I know he's two years removed from Tommy John surgery. Joe Madden said he's going to have no innings restrictions. Um, <laughs> he's in a rotation, obviously, with Otani. So he's not the number one. Otani's the number one. And yes, an adjustment from the you know National League to the American League, but this is still a guy that has electric stuff that oh yeah is capable of being one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. It's a great, great price point when you're taking a flyer on a guy at 100 to one, and that flyer happens to be a guy with ace material and Noah Syndergaard. You, you identified not only not only a player in a rotation with Shohei Otani here as a one-two combo. But that's another one of my overplays at 84 and a half for the Angels. And it's because of Joe Madden, because of what he says, the way he manages the game, Scott. So if, if you're a futures player in that Cy Young Award market, it's a great value because Joe Madden's not going to go, you know what? All right, seventh inning, we got a 3 1 lead, and he's throwing 102. Let's get him out. No, if that's his best option, Joe Madden's going to let him go. Joe Madden's going to manage in the moment to win those games. And there's a reason why he wanted Tampa. There's a reason why he wanted Chicago. I think the best days of the Angels are ahead of them. I love this team overall in the futures market. I look at the rest of the division. I think Seattle clearly got better with the moves they made. I don't know. Yes, the Astros are the over $2 favorite to win the division. But I think the Angels are going to be a push. And I hope they stay healthy. And certainly Shohei and Noah Syndergaard at the top of the rotation. If they do that, they're going to score runs. The lineup is going to produce runs. So not that people look at wins anymore for, for Noah Syndergaard sure. in, in that 100 to one, but yes, it's still, he's going to get his wins. He, they're going to leave him out there. They're going to let him go out there as long as he can go. And Madden's going to put him in the best situations. I love the over of this team. I like the potential of this team. 
And I do think they might be a sneaky play to sneak into a wild card situation and make the postseason. So I'm firing everything Angels, and I love your Syndergaard pick at 100 to one. Especially in a division where you know the A's are have given up for this year. So yeah. one, that's one team that is just not going to compete with you. Real quick, we got about a minute left. I'm going to okay. buy low on Cody Bellinger, NL MVP mm. at 60 to one. I like it. Again, I want to see it if he can put it together now, stay healthy, do everything we think he can do for the entire 162. But 60 to 1? For a yeah. former MVP? I mean, you, Come on. Right. As, as long as he's healthy, as long as he's healthy and, and back to being that guy, yes. Why not? We saw it with Bryce Harper going back now and winning the MVP last year in Philadelphia. And that wasn't really injury for Bryce. But yes, Scott, 60 to 1 for anybody with that talent level, as long as they're back to being themselves. Absolutely. I think that that's a fair market price and a really good long shot pick yeah. at 60 to 1. And, it, and it's crazy when we're talking about a, for, a you know, former MVP as possibly a future MVP again. But again, we've just seen Bryce Harper do the exact same thing uh, to do it in D.C. and now do it in Philadelphia. Dave, uh, next week we're going to get into your UFC 273 selections. And Can't then, of wait. course. Uh, maybe some more baseball as opening day will be next Thursday. Are we going to be fighting all year long with the Phillies and Mets? Listen, I'm not a Phillies fan. I'm just a Phillies backer. I know. So I'm going to have a lot of money on that this year. (laughs) Let's let's go, baby. I can't wait. He's Dave Ross. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's the look ahead here on VSIN. Rules are just. Rules are just. Rules are just...